Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today we're talking about overrated health and fitness advice. Mm, there's definitely a lot out there, to be honest. Like, I feel like everyone's trying to show the next best thing. Um, and then when you hear it, you're like, oh, it's actually just something that's really overriding a principle. Um, and when you understand principles, you don't need anyone's shitty tips and tricks and methods and stuff like that, because you just understand the rationale behind um, the thing, right? And today we're just going to talk about a couple of key ones that, you know, both Danny and I sat down and agreed that these are definitely <laughs> overrated, um, especially for the majority of people, right? Like just everyday gym goers, probably very much like ourselves, to be honest. Um, a lot are we these- everyday gym goers, Sherelle? Did you oh, just no. downgrade us from Oh, athletes? do we? I feel like, <laughs> well, you know, like, I don't know. I feel like sometimes I'm normal. Sometimes I'm an athlete, but these are definitely three things. That I like, I generally think are overrated for yep. me. Yep, yeah, it was interesting because it took us a while to write these notes, and I, I, it's hard to not find context for everything, particularly <laughs> with things that you believe in. So we did come to an agreement here. We, did. we, uh, did. we didn't want to really say things that you know. We we always are authentic, like fully on this podcast. So we are very careful with topics that we bring up. Um, So we did come to agree with this. And yes, there is context for everything, but these three points that we'll talk about today will have um, great rationale as to why it actually is overrated. Mm. Um, I feel like a lot of the marketing and advertising, you know, the consumers are getting smarter. So something sounds too good to be true. We know now, you know, mm. like, or if it sounds a bit off, like that new 8,000 calorie, 800 a day diet or oh, something I like that. I used to love Michael Mosley. Why did he have to bring out that book? Mick, what's he doing? I, I don't know. know. I just give everyone a nickname. Yeah, that, it's <laughs> not cool. I mean, but people go, hang on a minute, that sounds yeah. really bad. Like, what is that? So these ones... If you don't know, then you you probably believe it. Mm. So yeah, I'm excited to get into it and yeah. um give our take on these three topics. Yep. These three as well, like they're not um cliche in terms of like what you might be thinking are probably gonna yeah. come up. Like we all know amino acids are overrated. We all know a lot of these things are quite overrated that we roll our eyes at. That's obvious to us. Maybe not to everyone, but you know, after a while you just get sick of hearing the same shit, right? Like so you just <laughs> learn that that's overrated and it's just to move on to bigger and better things the same way that we know that you know habits and all of those things are you know the pillar of everything but they're not sexy I feel like habits are just starting to become sexy to be honest like it's like mm. habits my, my depends on what habits. the habits are right yeah that's true <laughs> but I feel like we all know right like habits are going to yield the majority of your results right like when it comes to anything and the one percenters are for the one percenters, right? When you hear people being like, oh, the one percenters all add up. I'm like, mm, sometimes, but who are you speaking to and what for? And like, is it really adding up? I'm not sure. So these are the things <laughs> that are going to give you like the biggest bang for your buck, in my opinion, in terms of like, if you if you can really like break down these pieces and understand what we're talking about and why we're saying these things are um, overrated, not only is it going to help you with your health and fitness goals, but even for coaches, like I think mm-hmm. understanding these three key pieces is, is super important if you're really committed to helping your clients get results, because there's a difference between a coach um, and like 
even just a trainer, in my opinion. Like a coach is someone that's going to hold you accountable, that's really going to adopt a strategy, that's going to look at your lifestyle, that's really going to mold things around rather than just being given like a meal plan or a template training program and off you go. These are the pieces to help you get results for yourself and get results for others as well. Yeah, and in a healthy, sustainable way, we can all mm. starve our clients and make them do a shit ton of exercise and all the bad things that you hear all about. The all the burpees, yeah. That was the one exercise that I said is not good. <laughs> um, everyone, every other one had context, but um, <laughs> what was I? Now, what was I saying? Burpee. Oh, you're right oh, on me. Wow. Every time someone says the word burpee, I just lose. I'm like getting into fight or flight. Traumatic experiences with burpees. No. These points here, and we will get into them, but allow (laughs) the whole podcast is us just telling you about the importance of these three points. We're really talking them up, guys. Let's get into the first one. What were you going to say? Funny story. What were you going to say? Number one. Number one. (laughs) This is public holiday, guys. It's public holiday. Yeah, it's public holiday. Um... Oh my god. <laughs> Lay it on me, Sherelle. Go. Sorry, guys. Um, number one, the first overrated health and fitness advice is focusing on macros as your number one priority. Now, hear mm. us out when we say this because I know that we've spoken a lot about macros in the past and, you know, everyone talks about their macros, but I firmly believe that it's not the first place that people need to start when they first look at nutrition. Like, hand on my heart, think that that is really overwhelming for a lot of people just to give someone macros and off they go. You're setting them up for failure. But then I also think that if you focus on all the other fundamentals of nutrition, the macro piece will just sort itself out, right? And we know this from so much experience, but then there's also so much research out there just to say that the ratio of carbs to fats doesn't matter that much. And it probably doesn't matter for, you know, your everyday lifestyle client or you, if you don't have really strict, specific body composition or sporting performance goals, right? Mm. Like there's always going to be ranges and, you know, like people that might need to take their pre and peri and post-workout nutrition really seriously and have whatever. But look, let's be honest, it's not the majority of us. Um, And even for body composition goals, right, it doesn't matter nearly as much as people think. Yeah, because there are so many factors that actually – change the amount of macros you need anyway so a lot of people and look the stigma is changing but it used to be you know if it fits your macros and people including myself like back in the day you'd post a donut or something you know some sort of food that yes it would fit within your macronutrient targets but there were no micronutrients our vitamins our minerals all the amazing things that actually nourish our body they will always be the first priority, those micros, over the macros because you can hit your macro target with food that has no um, nutrition, okay? You're sort of, they're fast to be digested in and out of your system really quick and you don't get all those vitamins and minerals. So there's no point prioritizing those Mm. kinds of foods if you're neglecting the foods that actually allow us to have optimal health and to function well and to have a clear mind. So it's not, it's always quality over quantity Mm. with anything in life. 
Hundred percent, really well said. And you know, even for us, um, with new clients coming in that have never tracked before, everyone knows macros, but like not everyone's actually gone through processes to learn how to sort of um, actually be able to do it properly. We always start with a foundational habit approach first. Like we never just sort of go, "Here's your macros, off you go," mm-hmm. unless they're a really competent client. Um, because a lot of people offer nutrition, right? And they just give people macros. I'm like, oh, coaches are not calculators. Like, I'm sorry, but a coach is so much more than just being able to give someone macros and send them on their way. Um, But we always start with habits, right? Because like eating breakfast, like so many people still don't eat breakfast. You know what I mean? And I know we speak about, oh, like it doesn't matter like when you eat and all those things, but eating breakfast is going to like help you kickstart your day. It's going to set foundational habits, like having um, like meal frequency is really important to um, manage your hunger and all of those sort of things. So even just making sure that you're having big staple meals throughout the day and including enough fiber, um, drinking enough water, like including enough greens, all of those like foundational things that honestly people don't look at, especially in the coaching space. Do you know what mm. I mean? It's so odd that people just don't ask their clients about these these foundational things and they just realize they're filling up all their protein with protein powder rather yeah. than, you know, just sitting on the lower fence of maybe what an optimal protein target is or sufficient um, and just encouraging them to build it up, up slowly over time, right? So yes. focusing on habits first and then protein, right, is the next piece being like, okay, yeah. well, what's the minimum effective dose that I can actually get away with? You know, I find that a lot of people have this like really high protein diet and they they probably don't need to set their protein at even two grams per kilogram. Like that's still sufficient, but they could go a lot lower, especially if they, they're struggling to hit protein, which a lot of people do. And we take it for granted, don't we? Because we're just so used to eating high protein diets. But, you know, most people eat cereal for breakfast and, you know, wrap sandwich for lunch and, you know, and it's quite a high carb, low protein diet. So teaching people how to do that. Um, hitting macros or working towards three types of macronutrient targets is like the last step, right? And then beyond that's actually intuitive eating, in my opinion. So you sort of learn the foundations of nutrition, of energy balance, of learning how to hit your macros if you want to. And then you actually focus on being uh, a successful intuitive eater because the goal is not to track forever at the end of the day. We need to be able to step away with the knowledge as well. That's my lens of how I look at nutrition anyways. Love it. And we've been through all of these stages. We've done the meal plans. We've done the macros. We've done the intuitive eating and they all served a purpose for a certain thing. I mean, when we were competing, we were so rigid with our tracking for a reason. However, we always had good quality food in there. Yes, you can have your fun foods quote-unquote or whatever you want to call um your food you know chocolates and all of those little treats include that in we're, we're here to live a life that we enjoy but the foundation always has to be on micronutrient dense food and mineral dense foods mm. um and the thing is you might have a set amount of macros and if you actually have that with good quality food your macros will increase you'll be able to eat more food because your body uses it a lot better whereas yeah. you'll find find yourself on quite lower macros if you're just filling it with foods without those things as well. So the the way in which you digest, the quality of your food that you take in, that affects your macros in itself. So mm. the aim is to always be able to reach your body composition and training goals on the most amount of food. Even if it's weight loss, you still want to be able to lose weight on the most amount of food. And that is reflected based on the quality of the food. 
Yeah, really well said. And and I guess even behind that, there's something called the thermic effect of food. And it's one of the components that makes up our metabolism. And basically the thermic effect of food is just the amount of calories or the amount of energy our body needs to break down that food. So as you're saying, when we're eating more insoluble fibers or more sort of plant-based foods or whole foods in general and less processed carbohydrates, our body actually uses more energy in the digestive process to be able to break those foods down. Um, it's why I get a little bit frustrated when people are like a calorie is a calorie I'm like mm, like I know what you mean but I'm like it's so black and white and it's sort of like that's such a single-sighted you know it's like people just screaming calorie deficit and I'm like you don't work with people like you can tell that you don't work with people because if just two words calorie deficit really fixed all the problems would obesity be the biggest issue in the world at the moment no mm. it wouldn't so mm. understanding these things right from like yourself but then also like a coaching perspective is just going to help you so much and actually get you to help people rather than just like contributing to so much of the noise out there and start telling people to hit their macros like it's really easy yeah, you need to take into effect your person's mental health, their emotional state, mm. their digestive health. You know, gut health is massive. So you can still be having food that you deem to be quite healthy. But then if you're stressed and overwhelmed, you're, you're not digesting things well. You know, your body's not going to absorb those nutrients as well. So your your emotional state and your digestive health is even more important than the quality of the food, which is yeah. more important than your macros. So there's a big, you know, you have to go right in and, and address all elements of health mm-hmm. first. Make sure your 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 gut lining's healthy, your your mindset, and then worry about all that. You've you've got people who are just so unhealthy physically and mentally. Yes, they want to get help, which is amazing. It's the first mm-hmm. step, but popping them to like on a plan just to track their macros is not going to help years of habits and patterns and beliefs that have to change. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned something really important, which is digestive health and, you know, gut health um, concerns is impacting a lot of people, right? Like a lot of people have digestive issues and there's so many elements, um, you know, lifestyle-wise that probably, uh, I guess, contribute to that. But it's a really important thing to consider because I feel like that's a, that's like a pillar, right? It doesn't matter what you eat if you're not digesting it well because yes. even poor digestion and really your mental health like I've definitely been there like you're sore you're bloated it hurts like you don't feel good you don't want to go out so all of those things are really important to address first but we could even talk like you know a whole other episode about gut health because the amount of shit that's out there you know the amount of supplements the amount of protocols the amount of tests all these things when to be honest like it's still so nuanced gut health and a lot of the research, like they just don't know it's so new. So there's so many things out there and I just caution people because I know how desperate you can get when you're in those phases, if you're going through one or those chapters where you are suffering, um, seek out some like proper support and some proper guidance because there is so many quick fix scams out there for quote unquote gut health and mm. always got to be skeptical about it. Yeah, there's a podcast I listened to, um, Diary of a CEO with Stephen Bartlett, and he actually had a um, gut health specialist on there. And I, I hardly recommend other podcasts on this podcast, but that episode, I'm just trying to find his name. That episode was so eye-opening. Not only did it talk about how your gut health affects your mental health and vice versa, but he was giving little tips and tricks um, on the kinds of foods to actually eat and I know Mm. a lot of people are not 
supportive of having too many plant-based foods, but this doctor, who I will get his name because people are going to ask us, um, recommended having 30 different types of plant a week because we've got good bacteria in our gut. It needs to get used to digesting all different mm. kinds of colours and textures and, you know, apparently, and and again, this can go either way, but this man who's quite credible, he's so credible I can't remember his name, <laughs> he, he stated that the colours on every food actually it's the plant's protective mechanism. Now, a lot of people say that the plant's protective mechanism is bad for us to eat. You know, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't eat beans because it's got a shell around it or you shouldn't have stems because of that. He actually said it's good because Mm -hmm. it teaches our stomach how to really digest things that are trying to not be harmed and digested. So it actually helps as well as fermented foods, you know, um, sauerkraut, kimchi, all of that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was just... Just listen to the episode, Diary of a CEO. You'll find the episode. Um, It was really, really uh, a great episode and lots of advice. But then he also was talking about, um, or, or what I'd like to say, the advice I got from a Chinese medicine doctor was chew your food properly. Yeah. I bet you most of you eat while scrolling on your phone. Inhale it, yeah. Inhale it. And not only mm. is it dangerous, but it's so bad for you because you ne- we have teeth for a reason. We've spoken about it before. We've got our enzymes in our mouth for a reason. So that could be the reason for your bloating issues in itself. And it's mm. so simple. So please just catch yourself out, chew your food properly, don't eat on the run, and actually just be present when you're eating. Don't be on your phone. Yeah, really well said. Like digestion starts honestly with our eyes, like our brain looking at food, preparing food, mm. um, you know, starts that salivation. And then as you said, like the enzymes in our saliva help to break down the food. It's like such a big process. It's not just like, you know, inhale it and then, you know, it just gets absorbed as well. So really good one. Yeah, um, that- I found the episode. Sorry. Oh, yeah. What is it? Definitely Dr. Check. Tim Spector. So episode 209 with Dr. Tim Spector. It was really good, really good listen. Was that the same episode? I remember seeing a this viral reel about um, him saying that something about weight loss, cal- like yes. eating less. Oh, yeah. Exercise yep. doesn't help weight loss, he said. Yeah, okay, interesting. I ha- yeah. I'll have to listen to that one. It's um, an interesting one, yeah. Because I've definitely seen it seen it um, going around. So, yeah, but really good one. But, yeah, just mm. wanted to skim over digestive health because it's super important um, and you can't really talk about nutrition without considering how we're digesting foods. So yep. recap on number one is just focusing on macros as your number one priority um if it's all you're focusing on like it's just such a um a superficial lens of nutrition um and it, it really doesn't mean much in the grand scheme of things as well like sure for for you know weight loss and weight gain yes but that's really it what about body composition as a whole what about digestion what about mental health what about appetite yep. all of those things are of course under the nutrition banner as well yeah. um but number two, shall we? <laughs> Let's do it. Another overrated topic is cardio for fat loss. Mm. Yep. We've definitely done um, a bit of an episode on this in the past as well, I believe, around sort of the cardio yeah. aspect. But definitely, especially like any of you guys born in the 90s, there was a whole era of like cardio to be smaller, to sort of lose weight, right? It was like all the group fitness classes. It was like running was the new thing. It was like everyone was doing cardio purely for fat loss. Um, and I think it's it's pretty well known now that like cardio is or should be used more for heart health because in terms of fat loss, like to run on a treadmill, you're going to burn like, you know, a couple hundred calories um, and you can really eat that in like a couple of seconds. 
reasons. Yeah. So to use cardio as like a fat loss tool, it's probably not very um, efficient, to be honest. Like we, we should definitely be using nutrition. But then the other thing that's really important is like our body adapts so quickly to cardiovascular training, like more quickly than resistance training. Um, I've been getting into running again, for those of you who have been Ooh. watching. I know, 5K, <laughs> 27 minutes. I've been nice. getting this. Um, but I can feel it week by week in terms of like my heart actually adapting my fitness. I can see my heart rate. I can see those changes week by week. Um, and the opposite is true. Like once you stop cardio, you sort of detrain quite quickly as well. So fitness or cardiovascular fitness adaptations to our heart and our lungs and our vessels, they happen like I don't know, probably session by session, week by week, we're making changes. Whereas, you know, we know muscle gain is like a very slow sort of like process over a longer period of time. So if our body is adapting that quickly, you can be sure that it's going to be adapting like metabolically um, wise as well, because those changes to my heart are making me more efficient. So let's say I was burning 600 calories from an hour run, not running that long, but just for the mass sake, let's say I burnt 600 calories in one hour of running. The next week I could probably burn 570 calories in the hour because my heart Mm. is um, not having to work as hard to complete that hour of training, right? Like I don't know if that makes sense, but our body just becomes more efficient um, during cardio. So you can imagine if you've been doing that for months, like that same, you know, 20 minute bike ride or whatever, whatever it is on the treadmill, like it's probably made redundant at the end of the day in terms of your actual fat loss or weight loss um, goals. And the guy even on the podcast said it, right? I would love to hear his argument. It was. he. I think that was a bit of a click clickbait topic because it was more about the gut health stuff on that. But he it look, he, he does have a point. The, there are ways in which cardio can cause weight loss. And, of course, you – lose some sort of you know, or you use up energy and calories but it's also less time near the fridge so you're going to actually be eating less because you're out and about exploring yep. the local walking path or you're on your bike or running um it does improve your digestion which is really good mental health so if our mental health is improved we're more likely to look after ourselves and make better food choices so i feel like the benefits of cardio regarding weight loss is more indirect Mm, but you can still lose weight and not move you just you know yeah it's all nutrition Um, but there are there are beautiful benefits for cardio but cardio for weight loss should not be number one I mean we've both added cardio in but my nutrition has improved dramatically so I know that my body composition changes isn't from me doing, you know, the um, cross trainer in the morning or going for a walk and in the evening, it's actually my food choices. Mm. But we're loving being outdoors, right? You get to run again. We've got new goals, our heart health, our lung capacity. You know, there are so many other benefits. Mm. Um, Another thing you do see is people just really hard on the high-intensity interval training. Now, again, time and a place. There are sports that require that outburst of energy. It is a quick way to, um, you know, utilise energy stores and things, but be mindful of how often you do it. It should always just be the ace of spades, you know, a last resort because it does impact your recovery. You know, you might, the thing is about cardio, if you do too much of it, you'll feel more hungry And that can actually prompt you to eat more. So if you're not structured with your nutrition, you're going to be doing all this extra movement and your body goes, oh, my God, I'm hungry now. And then you might just eat everything, eat extra, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, there's a lot in it. 
Yeah. They also show, like they've shown this in research that if someone goes out and does an intentional cardio workout for the, you know, to burn calories and they burn maybe like 300 calories or something, they'll come home and they'll like sit on the couch and they'll like, they'll laze around rather than like getting up and washing the dishes or like playing with the kids in the backyard True. or whatever it might be. So they actually show that you technically offset it anyways. Um, cause our body's smart. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just, you're never going to outwork physiology. Like our evolution of being here for like thousands of years has proven it. So cardio for fat loss is out. And I just think like focusing more on nutrition and eating whole foods and, you know, just doing, doing the basic stuff really well is what we should be focusing on too. So even with the high intensity interval stuff, like I've got a bit of a thing with this because if I put a heart rate monitor on half of those people, they're not even maxing at 90% for that duration, right? Like we need to be spending more time doing aerobic than anaerobic for our cardio anyways. Like we shouldn't be gassing ourselves because for a lot of you guys listening, you probably do that in the gym. You're using your anaerobic energy system a lot already. Um, So when you're just gassing yourself, like trying to burn yourself out, like you're really going to interfere a little bit. Um, Doing your aerobic zone two stuff is like your safest bet where you can sort of like coast through and not interfere too much in terms of recovery. Um, And that would always be my best like recommendation because yeah, as you mentioned, unless it's for sport or, or whatever, I just think we get so much more value from just having something that's a little bit less intense, something that's a bit more enjoyable for us because does anyone really enjoy heat? Like, does anyone really no. love it? No, we no. don't. Let's be <laughs> honest. They're lying. Like you feel good after maybe, but like, you know, do that in your weightlifting session. You know, mm. you're better off having your weightlifting session, like, you know, tapping out your energy systems in that um, doing a little bit of like cardio and just enjoying moving your body, like working on your heart health and improving your capacity in that um, area. Beautiful. So many other benefits, right? Mm. It's And, it, you know, if you do it for the other reasons such as enjoyment or getting out of the house or, you know, your joints might feel better, you're more likely to do it long term or forever. Yeah. Like movement will always be a priority and we're not saying to make it super comfortable, you know, stretch yourself, but then don't overdo it for yep. longevity. It's always about longevity. Yeah. And the only, I would say the only exception for this rule would be someone where a couple of hundred calories is quite precious. And they're like, you know, let's say for a comp prep person that has to get calories quite low when they're on 14 or 1500 calories. And, you know, like it's already sucks enough. They don't want to drop calories too much more because then they're going to compromise their health um, overall. Their only goal is, or the only way is to sort of like eat, like add in cardio to burn more and then make sure that they don't offset it in other ways like they have to hit steps they have to do all these other extreme things to make sure that they can actually just like improve that energy and output um, ratio but Mm. for the majority of people even for comp prep it's a tool at the end right it's not something that's really like smashed the whole way through um, because our body adapts and you see this all the time where people go really hard for too long especially females like we just aren't designed to be in chronic deficits or like really grinding because we just sort of burn out like physically and mentally so yeah that would be my only caveat to that one yeah good good um did you say caviar no mm. caviar mm. caviar mm. <laughs> no yes no you're right so we're definitely not talking to competitors here just to reiterate because yeah. we do have a lot of competitors but mm. this is more for your general pop or even for some of your clients that you're just taking on you know make sure they get all of these right first before doing mm. the the craziness um yeah. should we move on we shall yes yeah, so this kind of goes nicely into the next one so 
training five or six days a week is overrated health and fitness advice. Yep, hundred percent. I feel like um stereotype for women. I don't know. I would love to know where this like three lower, two upper split come from. I feel like it's just ingrained as the new normal in the health and fitness industry for training. And like anyone getting in the gym, they're like, oh yeah, three lower, two upper. It's like the split that everyone adopts. Like no one does full body. Do you know what I mean? Like in terms of females, I'm being a bit like, you know, stigmatizing here, but this is just what I see a lot of is like yes. a lot of, I guess, you know, maybe the influencers or the people that were in the fitness industry, the first that sold their PDS or whatever it was, it was this like five, six day training split, um, which had like a lot of volume more than anything, like high volume mm. training was a, quite a big thing over the last maybe five to 10 years. Um, and I just think for the majority of people, we don't need to be lifting five, six days a week to be completely honest. And again, exception is bodybuilders. Like we're not really speaking to you. Um, sorry, but even for me, right? Like even for me for a long time, last three years, I've only trained four days and that's a lot, right? And I know that, um, I've always pushed intensity over volume. Like I've always believed, um, as well. It's just one of my, I guess, um, what's the word? It's one of my, um, what do you call it? Like when you believe in something. Yeah. What's it called? Like a belief system when you've got like a, Oh, oh, it'll come back to me. Anyways, my belief system is that like intensity over volume. And I know there's some people being like, yeah, more volume over sort of intensity and grinding. But I'm sort of, I've always pushed like training intensity is like, you know, the single most important thing. And we we get that before we add more because, you know, it's like a Goldilocks zone when it comes to training volume as well. Like you get so much more gains until a certain point and then it drops off and then you get diminishing returns when you start doing too much. And this is obviously going to be different for everyone. Like everyone has like a different sort of like training volume, um, which arguably then should mean a different training split, right? A different training frequency, if that's going to be the case too. But I just see so many people thinking that they have to hit the gym five or six days to actually get any meaningful results. And even when I get like random people being like, oh, you must lift all the time. How many times do you go to the gym? Every time I get a massage or you lift oh, a yeah. lot. And I'm like, four days and they're like, oh, only four. Like, and I'm like, yeah, only four. Like, that's a lot. I think four that's days of lifting is a lot. If you're lifting, yeah. So the thing is, if you don't train hard, you can train seven days a week. Mm. But we don't want that. We Go want to be training hard, you know, get the most out of that time, that session. You're making the effort to drive to the gym. You're there. Make the most of it while you're there. And then when you're not there, rest, recover, live your life, do anything else that's not in the gym. So the people that do train five, six, seven days a week, aside from bodybuilders, aside from athletes who need to practice their craft every day, you know, for the gen pop, chances Mm. are if you've still got gas in the tank after like five or six sessions, you're probably and definitely not training hard enough. 100%. The thing is, though, if you are a beginner, you're not going to push 100% because it can be scary and you're still Mm. learning movement patterns and, you know, you're not confident to actually push. So it does always depend on the goal, but we should not be pushing to super high intensity that often because you can break down, you'll be overstimulated, you know, we're not allowing enough time for recovery, all of those things. Mm. You know, rest and recovery is just as important, if not more, than the actual training session. So just ask yourself the reasoning 
I know a lot of people love going out and socializing or if you're learning a movement pattern and it's not taxing on your body, you can practice that every day. You know, you can have daily activations. You can have all that lower level stuff every day. But when it comes to super crazy, heavy pushing, you don't need that many days a week. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Like you can get away, you know, with cardio, right? It's really hard to overdo it doing zone two. You can't really. This is why endurance trainers can do, like endurance athletes, sorry, can do so much training throughout a week because they're just sitting in the zone two sort of like, you know, aerobic capacity. You're not going to overdo it. But when you're actually applying progressive overload and training and lifting weights, like you you can. More isn't better. And I think a lot of people think, oh, more, that's the next thing, like adding more. But no, actually no. Like I think as you get more advanced, your sets become more efficient and over Mm -hmm. time your volume should reduce as a result. And I've definitely felt this with me over the last couple of years where I used to be able to get away with like maybe 18 plus working sets, whereas there's no way in hell um, I could do that now because me, my efficiency of those sets has increased. And where a lot of people go wrong, they a lot of people say training intensity, and I think they just think that means lift more weight. Like that's not what training intensity mm-hmm. is. Like training intensity is just like working harder. So you can do this in a number of different ways. You can increase training intensity by changing the exercise. You can do it by changing the tempo. You can do it by by changing the way you set something up. Like you can do it in a number of different ways. And the more I train, the more that I actually like put my body in positions where it's harder with less weight because that's still increasing intensity. It just means I'm not lifting as much weight, right? They're they're indirectly related. So knowing how to increase intensity without adding weight is really important to be able to get that progression. But I just think even as beginners, right? Like you're probably going to be sore at the start. Like you want to be able to, just like when you're in a fat loss phase, lose off the least, the most amount of calories. You want to be able to maximize your adaptations off the, the least amount of training, not the most, like minimum effective dose. I follow that for training like indefinitely. And then even nutrition, like in life, I'd get that tattooed minimum effective dose for everything. <laughs> um, and I just think, if you don't have to do more days, why would you want to, right? And I know a lot of people are like, oh, but I love training. I'm like, yeah, I know, but <laughs> like like, do something else. Have a life too. <sighs> go for a walk, go for coffee with someone, catch up with a friend. Do you know what I mean? Like do something else. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Hell, do some cardio. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't need to lift five or six days a week. There's probably so many other elements of fitness that you would benefit from away from weightlifting. Yeah, it's a nice little prompting thought just to think back because there are people who do love going going in every day and a lot of it is social, a lot of it's habit. You know, the yep. voices might come up, oh, no, I'll go backwards if I take a rest of it. It's a big topic and it's it's easy for us to be like, train four days, but for, for most people it'll be like, oh, my God. Yep, so if you 100%. do need to go in, your, your mates are there or you feel a bit lonely if you don't go in, that's okay, but just don't go 110% every session Mm. you know go in and do a little bit of cardio as you said or some mobility or just something light or Mm. yeah things like that and just really ask yourself am I attached to the number is this actually helping me it's it's you know there are sports out there and activities and um not to bring up CrossFit but CrossFit you know I love CrossFitters but they're so intense Mm. but you can't always go super hard particularly for people who are injured I get a lot of people that come to me um and, you know, they might have back pain and all they've ever known is this back pain. But then all they've ever known is training six days a week. And I'm like, 
Okay, well, we need to get the basics right, but that's a hard process. And you not only do you have to sort of, they have to convince themselves that it's actually okay, more than Mm. just saying trust the process. It's like, well, you've gone so hard for so long, there's one variable that has to change aside from, you know, the exercises. It's we need to do less. We need more recovery. Most Mm. people are not recovering enough. 100%, right, and that's the first place. I also find as well like with a lot of the clients that um, come to me, reducing their training is like good for them in terms of the intensity piece because they go yes. like it, you've got to make the sessions worth it because they're like oh I don't take I'm like just like you'll get to a point where you'll go how did I do more <laughs> like that's what I want you to be able to do right and I think as well when we say like train with intensity like no we don't kill ourselves at every session like I might have a couple of hard sets every session um that's the way I look at it there'll be a few exercises or or whatever where I might have one top set that's you know pretty hard or I'm failing on a machine or something. Mm like that you're not just killing yourself at every session that's that's ignorant you're not gonna yeah we don't do that to our body um but yeah having a couple of hard sets each session like a few times um a week is is more than enough and i also think like you can make epic progress on like a three-day full body split you know you don't even have to do four so it's really important like of course align it with your goals and make sure that you're looking at the right people for the right information because i think as well a lot of people shouldn't be comparing what they're doing to like their favorite bodybuilder or whatever Mm. it might be. Like one, they could be enhanced as well, which we know skews the recovery piece too. Um, But two, you have to be able to align your goals with you and like no one else and really assess where you're at. Like if you're new to the gym, why do you need a 4X the amount that you're training right to begin with? Like we have to do these things in a really easy, sustainable way so that at the end of the day, your body can recover properly. Yeah, and even learning how to move well with proper technique. That's mm. a form of progressive overload too. So, uh, and I have this conversation a lot again, and and you would too, right? People have done six days a week of training how they train, but then you pull it back, you actually teach them how to move well, and they go, oh, my God, my body's responding so much better, like mm. with less, but I'm actually moving better, therefore the response is better. So mm. more is not the only valuable and you list um variable and you you listed them off before but even learning proper training technique is a form of progressive overload and that is the best way to actually get results because then you can safely push really hard when you need yeah 100 and i feel like even for women like we've just been told for so long like move more eat less like overload like move more eat less that's been like a, somehow something just we've always been told but what do you do when you've just been eating less and move more for a long period of time you know our body adapts we're hungry we're not growing muscle tissue like you know it, it, it sort of hinders us eventually you have to eat more and move less right and that just messes with a lot of people's heads they find it really challenging and a lot of the times it's not a physical thing that they find challenging it's like mentally as you said Danny they just they don't want to rest they feel lazy that you know and that's hard do you know what I mean like I've been in that position too but I'm so glad I never sat in it for long because I'm like I can't keep doing this to myself you know I can't keep burning myself out there was no option and I think some people sit in that for years before they seek help um, and it's really important to do so because health and fitness shouldn't be 
hard. It should make life easier. And it hurts me when I see people like killing themselves um, or thinking that they have to eat 1500 calories forever or they if they, they miss this session, you know, they have this negative relationship and they're almost doing it out of a place of punishment rather than even being like, you know, I've had times where I've woken up being like, yeah, it's leg day, but I'm beaten up still yep. from, you know, I'm, I'm not training today because I'm sore. Like it's probably not very productive to do so. And I think we have to be able to get to that place eventually to make long-term, long-term, sorry, sustainable um, progress. Yeah. It's always about being long-term and sustainable. And we were, you know, put on this earth for a reason without all these tracking tools. And yes, they are tools in order to help. But at the end Mm. of the day, if we wake up feeling tired, we don't need a fitness tracker to tell us that, or we don't need a meal plan or or a, a program to say, no, you're actually not tired because it's leg day. Like mm. the signs are in our body. We just get a little bit distracted um, in the all the external factors that we forget to tune in and say, well, how am I really feeling today? Mm. And just keep it black or white. You don't need to put emotion to it. It's easier said than done, but it's black and white. If you still feel tired, have another rest day. That will actually help you more than going in and training. Yeah, really well said. I think sometimes like even if I had to add another one, you know, like wearables and trackers, you know. like the it, next one. Look, I'm not wearing my aura ring. Yo, I haven't broken either. it to you yet. <gasps> okay, we'll talk about that in another episode. <laughs> that's a, that's for another episode, We're going guys. through something. Um, <laughs> woo, that's another episode. But, yeah, like it is true, right? Like it's really important to like tune in and, and ask yourself how you're feeling rather than like looking outwards because – Again, we never want to create reliance on anything else. We have all the answers. We just have to ask ourselves. But, yeah, there's so many more we could rattle <laughs> off. Um, I can already feel the tangies. But I guess just in summary, <laughs> the first one was just focusing on macros um, as your number one priority. Like hitting your macros should not be your number one priority. It shouldn't be anyone's number one priority. It's a very superficial way to look at nutrition. Um, and, you know, macros are really just going to determine, like, you know, how much you weigh at the end of the day. Um, so, yeah, look at all those other areas that we listed earlier super important Mm. Um, and then we spoke about cardio for fat loss which you know Danny and I both agree like it shouldn't be a fat loss tool at the end of the day for the majority of people Um, cardio training is very much for health and yeah we we really wanted to highlight that one and then the last one was more about um, training so training five to six days a week is um, overrated in our opinion for most people obviously there's going to be context there um, for who and what for but for the majority of people you don't need to kill yourself with hours and hours and hours um, in the gym good wrap up very good, good. we'll leave awesome. it on that very nice we'll leave it on that well thanks everyone <laughs> for tuning in um, we hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode and as always if you did enjoy the episode make sure that you either share it with a friend or uh, share it on your Instagram story. Thanks, everyone.